Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hi there, you're listening to Recover Girl. It's a podcast about addiction, recovery, mental illness. I'm your host, Anna David. I'm a New York Times bestselling author of six books. I talk about recovery and addiction and basically using our dark to find our light. You can find out more about that if you go to my Facebook page, just facebook.com slash Anna B. David. And speaking of my Facebook page... This episode is taken from a Facebook Live interview that I did on my Facebook page. I am doing these interviews every Tuesday at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. They're super, super fun. And if you show up then, you can ask questions. I can put your comment on a screen, which I find very cool and fun. Um, But anyway, you got to go like my Facebook page to be notified and reminded unless you really want to put a calendar alert about my Facebook live interviews. I don't think you do. But anyway, the sound is not as high quality as uh, these episodes normally are, although it should be a little bit higher quality than previous Facebook live episodes because I managed to remember to wear a sort of headphone situation. So anyway, let me get right into it. Uh, My guest this week, I absolutely adore and I actually hope to be able to work with in some way directly. Uh, Her name is Carly Benson. She has a very popular website called Miracles Are Brewing. She's been sober almost 10 years. And as her website says, she's a faithful believer in miracles and God. She's a yoga teacher. She's a recovery coach. She has all sorts of programs. She has a monthly program that she does with Kelly Fitzgerald, previous podcast guest, The Sober Senorita. She has a podcast with Kelly. She has all all, all sorts of things. So what you need to do, you don't need to do anything. What I'd suggest you do is go to her website, miraclesarebrewing.com. And what else do I want to tell you? Say hey to me on Facebook. I've become embarrassingly into Facebook lately. And so uh, posting like crazy, really building up the old Facebook page. So please feel free to message me. And guess what? I'm so into it that I've discovered there's a URL for that. You could just go to m.me slash Anna B. David, and you will be messaging me on the Facebook. And what else do I want to tell you? I have a new download for you. It is my list of happiness hacks 
Yes, I have written a cheat sheet for the ways I access instant joy, which is necessary uh, if you live in a brain like mine. Sometimes you learn how to access instant joy because you need to. Anyway, if you want that list, just go to AnnaDavidCoaching.com and sign up. That is it from me. And now I give you Carly Benson. Cool. I'm going to go. Um... Well, we're going. Okay. We're going. Hi. Hi, Hi. Anna David. I'm here with Carly Benson of Miracles Are Brewing, uh, the huge uh, website and Facebook page and so many more things. If you joined us from my page, you know uh, about me. If you didn't, if you came from Carly's page or somewhere else, I'm just going to tell you. So I am a New York Times bestselling author of six books, read about addiction and recovery, have a storytelling show about addiction and recovery, and I coach writers through the process of telling their own stories. And so that's pretty much me. Every Tuesday, I do a Facebook Live where I talk to somebody about their own journey and healing and what they do with that to help other people. It's always at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, but I have such a special guest today <laughs> that I decided to do it at a different time to accommodate her very busy schedule. <laughs> now, and and so this is playing right now on Facebook Live. If, if you're hearing this on my podcast, make sure you like my Facebook page and you will be notified when these are happening. That is enough from me. This is Carly. Um, and I am so excited because she has so much going on and I've been a fan of hers for a long time. And it's nice for me when I can get to know somebody in front of all of you. Yeah. You know? Same. I'm like, oh man, I can't believe we haven't met yet. So I'm super excited to chat with you today. So Carly, you guys, in case you don't know, um, it, well, she's sober. She is a yoga teacher. She has a freshly launched podcast with previous guest Kelly Fitzgerald. She has a, a group, a coaching group mm -hmm. called Bloom Club with yes. Kelly. And, um, and, and so many other things. And you can find out about all of them if you go to her website, which is miraclesarebrewing.com. So, Carly, let's walk through your story. Where are you from? Oh, man, I've, like, moved so much in my life. I say that I'm from Naples, Florida, where we just got hit by the hurricane. Um, but I actually was born in Michigan, raised in Dallas, and then I moved to Naples right when I was starting high school. So I lived in Naples for 20 years, and now I live in Las Vegas, ironically, oh as a sober person. <laughs> You've basically so. gone to the craziest. You started off in these very mellow places and have gone to the epicenter of, like, the crazy, crazy life. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> so, so you're bringing serenity to Vegas, which Vegas exactly. really needs. Let's they need be honest. It. Um, totally. So, what was your journey to sobriety? How dark did it get, and then how did you find the light? Oh man! Well, I started drinking and partying at like a really young age because in Naples, it's like this small little beach town. There's not really much to do, and when I moved there, I ended up meeting. Um, my boyfriend, like immediately, I got a boyfriend, like right when I moved there and he was a football player. And so I started hanging out with that crew. And so it was like drinking on the weekends, whatever curiosity, but I had like smoked weed, done acid, done Molly and ecstasy all before I even went off to college. And so I started young. Um, yeah. And it was all just like curious, like 
fun, you know, and then I went off to college. I kind of slowed down a little bit. I really just, well, I shouldn't say I slowed down, but I went to just binge drinking and smoking weed all the time. Um, and then my senior year in college, I started using Coke and oh man, it just gripped me. Like it, I was like, oh, I can drink more. I can stay up later. It made, gave me this like false sense of connection to other people. And so again, it started off innocently. That's how it always does, right? Right. So I was a senior in college. I, I guess I was around like 20 or 21. But then for the next like six years, I got addicted. I could not go out without using it. I couldn't drink without using it. And it, it became more of like a necessity basically, um, to where I was like selfish. I would leave people behind. Um, if you wanted to come great, if you didn't smell you later kind of thing. <laughs> and, um, you know what? I didn't get to like a super dark place for the whole time. Um, cause I was a very high functioning addict and alcoholic. I went to work, I paid my bills, I even went to the gym. So in my mind, I was like, I'm fine, you know, which I think a lot of people have that happen. And they kind of think that you have to be, you know, have track marks on your arm or be in this suicidal place to be, you know, or be called a junkie or all the stigmatized stuff. And like, you know, I'm here to tell you that you can be a high functioning person and still have a problem. And that's kind of how I experienced it. And um, then finally, I did start to get really bad anxiety and panic attacks to where, like, if you've ever done coke before, which I'm pretty sure that's part of your story, too. The come down. Yeah. Yeah. That yep. come down. It started to, like, bleed over into my everyday life where I would be sitting at, like, my desk at work and I'd just be like, oh, you're such a shitty person. You know, like, you're out of control. What if your parents knew? And that like paranoia started to yeah. follow me around. And um, I was so afraid of it that it actually like fueled the fire because I didn't want to be at home alone. I didn't want to sit with myself. So I would go out and I would party to like kind of like rid the anxiety, not really realizing that I was just feeding it. So, you know, did you, did you ever do cocaine by yourself? Oh, yeah. That's when I kind of realized that it was a problem when I was like, at the time I had a live-in boyfriend and we had been together for like four years and I was hiding it from him. I had like a little like heart-shaped like container in my bathroom and I would literally like hide it up under the lid with a straw. It was bad. Like I would go in there and do bumps and I'd be cleaning the house and he'd be like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing, nothing to see here. Just vacuuming. Like, you know? Right. I Cocaine is great for vacuuming. Oh, my it God. It really, really is. You know, we think it makes everything so much more fun. Um, I know. The, the hiding of cocaine use, I mean, that yeah. brings me back to the worst memories because so – and also when you said straw, I used to have the weirdest relationships with straws because I would buy them, um, you know, because they were easier than doing it with dollar bills. Um, and then I would be so disgusted with myself that I'd throw them all out. So even when I walked by in, a, in the supermarket aisle for a long time, I would see straws and I'd be like, ah. Yeah, um, so but, bad. But doing cocaine by yourself when you're around people and you're pretending not to, how intense were those thoughts of, oh, my God, they know I'm on cocaine. Oh, my God, they think I'm a freak. Oh, my God. Did you have that? 
Um, not at first. At first, I thought I was like super slick. I was like, nobody knows. And like, and then I got really selfish where people would like ask me if I had it. And I'd be like carrying a gram in my bra. And I'd be like, no, sorry, don't have any. Because like, that was only going to be enough to last me for the night, you know. So at first, I thought I was like super sneaky. And then I started to get paranoid. I don't know when the shift happened, but then I was kind of like, they know, how do they know? You know what I mean? Or, or just, I think the shame and the guilt that goes with it of just, you know, lying to people and not telling the truth and not telling yourself the truth too. Once you know that it's beyond just like a recreational thing, um, then I was started to get paranoid and that's kind of when the anxiety set in. Cause I just kind of knew deep down that I wasn't really living congruently, but I didn't know how to stop. It was just such a, you know, it was all around me too. It was like, I always joke about this is like, once you start using Coke, you like kind of get accepted into this weird secret Coke society (laughs) where, you know, and you go in and it's like an after party and you're like, dude, what are you doing here? And they're like, what are you doing here? And you know, it's, it's, so crazy um that's interesting i i did so much cocaine alone but i remember when i would meet people and i remember if i this is so creepy and weird if i saw that they had like red noses or like probably some sinus problem i would go oh my god i bet you that person does coke and i would automatically like them more and think (laughs) about how we could become friends exactly oh Um, yeah i could like spot it from a mile away i i could go out without it and find it in five minutes like it didn't yeah. take me long at all it was like this weird gross sixth sense of like a uh, cocaine radar you know what i mean oh. it's just so bad Coke radar was so intense. I went to uh, Paris with my family. It was the real bottom, the really, really bad time for me. And I was too scared to travel with it. I walk into a bar the night I got there, still totally jet lagged. And I just like look around the room and I'm like, him, him. And I found him. Yeah. Um, It's insane. It's, I mean, it's like, you know what, when you, whatever you're seeking, you will find is what I've realized. And that's true on the other side of recovery, you know, on in recovery too, is like, whatever you seek, that's what you shall find. (laughs) It's such a good point. Reminds me of this conversation I had with somebody yesterday where she was talking about her brother and how he's in treatment now. And he is, you know, talking about God, all everybody does is talk about their drunk logs and it's this and it's that. And I said, you know, it's like he's seeing whatever it is. He, you know, it, it, it just like our perception always, it's just yeah. colored by whatever it is. So what advice would you give somebody who is new to recovery and is hating it? and is seeing it through that perception would you say they're wrong would you say they need to do something else what would you say um you know i think in the very beginning of recovery it is really hard you know you're going from this lifestyle that you're probably likely very accustomed to and also i think the thing to note here in early recovery is like you start feeling your feelings a lot more, especially like if you're in that first month when you're even still detoxing. So you might feel more angry. You might feel more frustrated. You might feel more pissed off and that's going to affect how you're viewing things. I think my biggest advice is to just know that it's okay. You know, like it's natural to feel that way. Um, But, you know, I think a really big thing for, for anybody in any period of their life is your, is your mindset, you know, your, 
your mindset and how you think and those thoughts that you're having is going to really going to shape your reality. So, um, I, I, you know, I think my advice would just be keep going, keep being willing to do things differently and, and just trust the process because, you know, it's hard in the beginning to, you got to relearn everything, you know? Right. And your feelings about it will change. I do yeah. think one of the characteristics of people, addicts or people who use drugs heavily or is like we're very extreme thinkers or oh, else we wouldn't so have pursued this extreme <laughs> sport. And so that extreme thinking continues and you go and you're like in a meeting maybe, I hate this meeting. I will always hate this meeting. And that is not true. Right. Exactly. Well, and that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, if anybody that's struggled with an addiction of any kind, whether it's to a drug or alcohol, gambling, sex, whatever, we have obsessive minds that we that's what we do. We obsess about things. And, you know, there's healthy ways to channel the obsessiveness like you won't actually get rid of it. But there's healthy outlets, you know, like my healthy outlet for that is yoga. Um, Like I'm cool if I want to get obsessive about getting a pose right. Like to me, that's a healthy way to channel it. And um, it helps me to relieve my stress. But, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize once they get sober is the obsessive nature of the mind. And then when you're not drowning it out or running or numbing or escaping, you know, as we do when we're using, it's like, oh, Oh gosh, what is this? What's going on? Why am I crazy in the head? And it's not really that it's just, you have to work through how to manage it. I, I completely agree. And it's, you know, it's like if you started using drugs or drinking at the age of 12 or 13, you have none of that experience that the rest of humanity was getting in feeling your feelings in dealing with rejection and dealing with breakups and dealing with losing your job in dealing with all of these things. And so of course it's terrifying. It really is. Um, it's like you end up facing off with yourself, which a lot of people are not used to doing. And then you end up having to sit with yourself, which can be terrifying. It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> um, until it's not. Until you do it enough that you learn to get comfortable with discomfort. And it is, you know, just a part of life. What? Um, so I, I know your bottom was not particularly low by some standards. What was it that changed the day you changed your life? Yeah. Um, I had kind of gone through like a series of events where I um, – I went to Miami. I got sober and oh, let me back up. I got sober in August of 2008 in March of 2008. So like six months prior, I went to Miami for winter music conference, which is like a huge music festival down there. And I OD'd that weekend doing like every single drug I could get my hands on. Um, so that was like kind of the beginning of the wake up call. And all my friends were like, oh, I'm so worried about you. You need to slow down. This isn't normal. And I was like, I'm fine, you know, and I slowed down maybe for like two days and then I was like right back at it. So I had some things like that happen um, where seeds were planted um, and then my anxiety just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Like it was bad. I mean, if, if you've ever had a panic attack, it's like you think you're dying, like you think you might be having a heart attack or a stroke. And it got really just hard to manage. Like I just got sick and tired of feeling that way. The shame and the guilt got really heavy. And so I started to be like, okay, I'm only going to drink wine. I started to be like, I'm going to try to moderate. I'm not going to drink hard alcohol. I'm only going to go to happy hour. I'm only going to have two drinks. And it was like, no matter what I tried, I was just chasing my tail. Every single time it turned into this sunrise, I'm like blowing lines with people I don't know, 
like don't have a place to sleep, shouldn't be driving home. You know, that's how it yeah. goes. And um, my final breaking point after like this buildup of like several months of things happening, um, nothing bad really happened either which a lot of people also think it's like, I didn't get a DUI. Um, I right. didn't have anything necessarily really bad happen. It was just in me. I could, I just knew I had right. this like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know how to stop. And it was just exhausting. It was like, it wasn't even fun anymore. I was just chasing this false sense of a high. So I went out, I was only going to happy hour. I made this whole promise to myself. And sure enough, I had like two drinks. I was off to the races. Next thing I know, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. I'm standing in this kitchen with this stranger. I'm out of Coke. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, I think I went outside to smoke a cigarette and I'm like, I don't have anywhere to sleep. I really shouldn't drive home. I don't even have my damn sunglasses. Like I just started going down the rabbit hole and I literally was just like, I kind of panicked and I was like, I gotta go. I drove home. I shouldn't have been. I got home. I tried to drink the vodka. I tried to take the hot shower. I tried to chain smoke. And like nothing was making this like in my head go away. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but now that I've done a lot of research and writing and, and stuff, I was experiencing delirium tremens that day. Wow. And uh, I was like hallucinating. I couldn't sleep. I was so anxious. And I just started like bawling, crying. I couldn't. I just couldn't go on anymore. And I called a friend who I had partied with like my whole life as I knew it then. And he was two months sober. And I was like, how did you do it? Oh, you know, I'm a mess. And he calmed me down. And that was the first time I admitted that I had a problem. And that was very like, whoa, what's what just happened? So I hung up the phone with him and it hit me. I was like, oh man, everything has to change. Like this, this isn't working. Like you just yeah. can't, you can't not know once you know, like with, I just knew that I couldn't do it anymore. And something came over me in that moment of like total desperation. I wasn't a religious person. I didn't go to church. I didn't, it's not that I didn't believe in God, but I didn't really know what that meant, but something right. came over me and I dropped to my knees and I just started praying. And I was like, if you're a real you have to help me. Like, I can't go on this way. I've tried to do it on my own. I obviously can't, I don't want to live this way anymore. Like I need help. And just kind of had this very experiential thing of like a wave of calmness washed over me. And I never drank or used Coke from that day forward. Wow. Like I still get the chills. You can't see it, yeah. but I feel it. And, um, wow. It was a very spiritual experience for me. It was like a, a then and a now, a before and an after. And obviously it took work on my part, but I kind of like set an intention into motion that day with the prayer. And it was just like, that was it. Like, it was no more. You know, anybody, you know, anybody who's, who's watching, watching or, listening, or listening. Oh God, there's an echo. Do you hear an echo? I don't no, hear an echo. Okay, good. <laughs> it's crazy what she's saying. It's a, I've heard it over and over and over again. And if you are somebody who's like, well, I, I tried that and it didn't work it, just yet. Um, my, my moment wasn't so much a moment, but it very, very similar. Um, you know, Carly, one thing I'm super interested in and, um, and you're really a testament to that is people who find this new way of life and then really make their life about, uh, helping others and this idea uh, that I'm fascinated with which is we can take our struggles 
and transform, make ourselves thought leaders in a topic, you know, that was killing yeah. us before. What do you, was that a conscious decision? How did that happen for you? I mean, it wasn't at first, like I didn't know the magnitude of what was set into motion that day. I was just like, I need to get better. Like I was, I'm sick. Like I don't, I'm not well. So initially that wasn't the intention at all, but, um, you know, I kind of was very public about my sobriety from the get go, as far as like in my circle of friends. And, um, like for a while, everyone just kind of knew I was sober and they thought it was kind of miraculous and people would hit me up and like, Hey, you know, how did you do it? Um, or whatnot. And so I kind of had this little, like, you know, inside little seed planted to maybe help people. But a few years into my sobriety, I started writing. Um, I had gone through a breakup, not with the person that I was with at the time, but I had gone through a breakup. I was like soul searching and writing just was like something that became therapeutic to me. I didn't even really consider being a writer, you know, so I took a writing class and um, I wrote about what I knew, which was sobriety. So I started sharing it with people and they were like, this could really help a lot of people. And so I started Miracles of Ruin, the blog, and just, I didn't tell anybody about it for like months. I was like, it was just secretly this blog that was on the inter interwebs. And um, then I finally shared it with, you know, like Facebook, then I created the page, and it just like kind of spiraled from, from there. And then it was a conscious decision. Then it was like, oh wow. This, this could help a lot of people. And at the time, I mean, I'm sober for nine years now. At the time, there wasn't like this huge recovery community online like we are experiencing now. Right. Um, at the time, it wasn't, that wasn't really it, you know? And I didn't do AA, like it, not to knock it, but it just didn't resonate for me. Right. And so I kind of wanted to create something that I was looking for. And it's been awesome. It's like, there's that quote that says, you can turn your mess into a message. And that's exactly, yeah. And that's exactly what this turned into. So I had no idea what I was putting into motion all the way back then when I just was desperately praying for a miracle, essentially, which is why it's called Miracles Are Brewing, because I was like, well, that was brewing all along. Um, right. Kept me out of trouble, luckily. I was de definitely heading down the, uh, uh, the wrong path, and something bad probably it would have ended up happening. But thankfully, I was I was protected from that. So, yeah, it is so awesome to be able to turn such a struggle into something that's like, I'm proud of this. You know what I mean? And I love sharing it with people. And I mean, I know, you know, it's like, this is my lifestyle now. I can't even right. imagine it any other way. Right. Right. I know sometimes you go, Oh my God, what did I do? What if I want to drink? What have I done here? <gasps> oh. Oh, tell me about it. This has been the biggest accountability thing I've yeah. like could possibly have. I actually really struggled with that. Um, I think it was my six year sober date and literally on my sober anniversary, I was like, man, I feel like even if I wanted to drink, I can't like not because I wanted to get drunk or messed up or blue lines or any of that, but more just me feeling like I didn't even have the option if I wanted to, because I had all these like eyes on me and um, right. I struggled with it. And I called that same friend up that I called in the beginning and I'm telling him about it. I was like, you know, I just don't know if I want to do this for forever. And he's like, well, you don't have to do it for forever. Car, right. you just have to do it for today. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so cliche, but it just landed and it was exactly what I needed to hear. It was just like, 
You don't have to make it for everything if that scares you. You just need to focus on the day at hand. And and that's really helped me. But yeah, major accountability tool. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I just go, what have I done here? Uh-oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like sometimes I wish I could like not care, you know? Don't yeah. you ever feel that way? It's like, oh, I wish I didn't care as much as I do, but well, I do. Sometimes I don't know if you have this. I'm embarrassed that I've made such a big deal about it cuz I go, my story's not that interesting. Who am I to say I'm so inter- what the hell? And I didn't mean to. I never set out to do that. I like you was just very open about it and this is yeah. sort of what happened. Do you ever get embarrassed by that? Um not necessarily embarrassed, but sometimes like I'll have people be like, oh, like, you know, sobriety is is your your life. Sobriety is your livelihood or sobriety is like who you are. And like sometimes I'm like, well, I mean, it is a big part of who I am, but it, it doesn't necessarily is not the only defining factor. And I feel like sometimes people look at it that way. But right. I guess it is because I've recovered out loud so much, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I guess probably in the, initially in the beginning, I did get really bashful and kind of embarrassed about it because it's like anytime you put anything out into the world where you're speaking openly and, you know, putting your art, so to speak, out into the world. I know I saw Tammy Salas pop up, so I was like, yeah, wait, <laughs> oh, hold on. Sorry, I had to close my window. I could hear my neighbor talking. Oh, um, yeah. So, you guys, by the way. Thank you for chiming in, Catherine, Luke, Raymond. I saw Richard, Tammy. This is so fun, and I'm putting as many comments as I can up on the um, up on the screen. But in general, Carly, I don't know if you can see the comments when I can. I but- can, but they go away. Some of them do, some of them don't. But I know I saw my girl Tammy, and I'm pretty sure I saw my brother Dre earlier. So thank you guys for tuning in. I'm sorry if I missed anybody else that I know. <laughs> Here, Tammy's back. Here she is. Um, Yes, and and you know, and we take questions, whatever you want, comments, disagreements, all of that. I do want to talk about the work that Carly does and how you guys who are watching or listening can be a part of it because there's so many things. Well, first of all, freshly launched podcast with Kelly. Let's talk briefly yes. about that. So that's called the Regroup Podcast, and man, that's been a long time coming. It actually kind of was like born out of some of the other work that we were done, that we had done in the past. Um, we wrote an ebook together. We did this like one week no drink challenge, and then we kept asking people, "What do you want?" and um, a podcast was one of those things. And so we started it to really open up a conversation about what it's like to regroup in your life. It doesn't necessarily even have to only be about sobriety. It could be a regroup after a move, um, a traumatic event. Like we were launching one today about the hurricane that just hit and how everybody's regrouping after that or divorce or, or what have you. You know, we all go through at least one moment in time, if not multiple moments in time where we have to regroup. And it's like, I have to start over. And obviously our main regrouping for both of us, which kind of connects us is our sobriety. But um, as we're getting further down the path, we're realizing, man, this is so relevant for everyone, you know? And so um, it's so exciting. I feel like we, we have so much fun chatting together. So it's just a natural progression of everything. And you guys can get that on, it's on iTunes, it's on SoundCloud, it's, yep, you know, it's it's on iTunes, on SoundCloud, you just search Regroup Podcast and it'll come up, or go to either one of our, our websites or our Instagrams, and it's on there. 
You know, I love what you just said about how you realize it's accessible. It's relevant for everybody. I think that's something that I'm learning. You know, I have this writing coaching program that when you're, if you're listening to the podcast, it's, it's all closed um, because I'm closing it. I have literally two more spots right now, but, but it's, it's people who are in recovery and it is not necessarily recovery from addiction. It is recovery from whatever you have recovered from and i believe that's relevant to every human being alive it is we all have struggles you know i think a lot of the times people think of recovery as just alcohol and drugs and it's like no i mean it could be trauma of some sort it could be an eating disorder it could be all kinds money money stuff people recovering from money issues all kinds of stuff and by the way kelly raves about your writing course like oh she was so great it was Yes, it was so fun. We went through, we had 10 people and Kelly was one of them. And and Kelly and actually her accountability partner who they became like BFFs yeah. um, yeah. were so the, cool. the two people that I knew ahead of time. And it was great to have people I knew in there because I sort of got to know everybody else just as well. It was really, it was so great, you know, seeing everybody thrive. I take 10 people and I thought, well, five are going to drop out. Like, obviously, every single person showed up for every single webinar. Every single person finished their proposal. I've just been blown away. It was, like, one That's of the most satisfying cute. things ever. Huge. Yeah. Um, she couldn't speak more highly of you, you know. And honestly, I'm probably going to end up in that writing program. when Once I have time to focus on, a, on that, uh, you'll be seeing me for sure. Because she spoke so highly of you about just how you walked them through the process and really held their hands. And I mean, you're a New York Times bestseller of multiple books. So it's like I'm a big believer in taking advice from somebody who's walked the path, who's walked in the shoes. And so awesome. Well, thank you. I mean, it's it's basically, and, and I, that brings me to your coaching program. It's like, I want to help people. What I took 15 years to learn, I'd love people to learn in six months because you don't have to waste the time that I wasted. And I think accountability is so important. So oh, yeah. that, that reminds me of your program, which is if you are watching right now, it's open, but it may not be open anymore by the time if you're listening to this on the podcast. So the podcast. can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm so excited about this. This has been like such a long time coming. I've been doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with people for, for quite a while now, um, but I have a lot of people that will come to me and they can't necessarily afford my one-on-one -on -one rates. So I really have been thinking on like, okay, how can I create um, a more affordable entry point to working together, um, an accountability tool for people, a community, um, and all of that with a topic that I love. So it's called The Art of Intentional Living. And that's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a five-week group coaching program. And I basically will be taking people through the journey of what it means to live more intentionally. And that could be applicable for sobriety. It could be applicable for really anything. It could be someone who's just coming into sobriety. It could be someone who's, you know, wanting to do a job change um, or just somebody who's felt like they don't have a purpose or they they're floundering with what to do. And so the whole goal of it is to really help people get in touch with what their values are, their beliefs, their desires, because I believe those things are the foundations to what sets our intentions and our intentions are what create our actions, you know? And right. so intention has been huge for me. When I shifted my intention that day in that prayer to finding a better way to living, um, 
I set that intention into motion and I started to take action from that place. So my intention went from like getting drunk all the time and escaping and numbing out and being this party girl into being healthy and finding a better way to live. And that really caused me to have to get in touch with who I am as a person. And so um, the five weeks is designed to first help you get in touch with your values. We'll do like a value assessment and all that fun stuff because some people don't even realize what's important to them, you know. Um, and then we're going to go through a little bit of emotional intelligence because I think it's important to learn how to sit with yourself um, and to just be honest about where you're at and maybe why you're at the place that you're at. And then we're going to get into desires and, and, and goals and setting intentions for that. I'm going to have people do like an intention mission statement, like a personal intention mission statement that Whoa. they can really start living from. Um, and then taking a look in the fourth week at like, what do you need to support you on that journey as far as like self-care, meditation, prayer? How can you keep coming back to that intentional living practice every day? And then the last week is like, how do you, how do you really implement this? How do you unearth it into your life? And like, I call that week alchemy, which is basically like the magical transformation process of like, okay, now go out into the world, do this, and you get to decide how you choose to show up. Right. Um, so I'm super excited about it. Um, and, and so people who are interested in it, do they go to your website? Do they email you? What do they do? Yeah. So if you're interested in it, the registration is open until September 29th and you can go to my website. Um, oh, she put it on the screen. Yep. Miraclesarebrewing.com forward slash intentional. Um, right now, if you're watching it, there's early bird pricing um, until this Friday um, and then it will go up uh, next week. And actually, I didn't even tell you this, Anna, but right before we got on, I set up a promo code. So if you're one of Anna's peeps and you want to join it, I'm going to give um, a $10 discount off the early bird price, which nobody else is getting. You just go um, when you check out hit uh, or enter Anna David, all caps, and you get 10 bucks off. So that's what you insert. The best promo code ever. Can we yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> yes. By watching these Facebook lives, you not only get to get a ton of solid information, you save money. That's mm -hmm. You save money. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and then there's also, as if that's not enough, there's Bloom Club. Is, so how is that different than intention, the art of intentional living? So the Bloom Club I'm doing, co we co-host Kelly Fitzgerald and I, who's the Sober Senorita, uh, SoberSenorita.com. Her and I, um, we do monthly, bi-weekly classes inside of the Bloom Club um, where we talk all things sobriety. So it's all sobriety-based. Everybody in the group is either trying to get sober or trying to stay sober. Um, and we cover things like Last week, we talked about how to socialize and be sober. Um, we've talked about grieving your relationship with alcohol. So it's very niched in the sobriety um, field of, you know, learning, I guess, if you will. Um, and I guess the main difference is that the Bloom Club is um, it's a monthly membership fee and it's um, it's only sobriety focused, you know, and you don't really necessarily get one on one time with me. Um, like you can participate in our live classes and chat with us and ask questions and people do and we support people in the group. But with the art of intentional living, it's a little bit more broad. Um, it's not just for anyone 
going through recovery or wanting to get sober. And you're going to get a ton of FaceTime with me because I'm going to be doing one-on-one live. So in in Art of Intentional Living, they're going to get um, a weekly email and video from me. They're going to get a weekly live discussion with me where they can ask one-on-one questions. Um, They're actually going to get linked up with an accountability partner, just like what you were doing in yours so that you guys can chat and, you know, have somebody to bounce stuff off of. Um, And I'm going to be sharing things in a little bit different of a way in there. That's probably going to be a little bit more intimate, I think, um, than the Bloom Club. But they're both really good, you know, options if if you're looking for somebody to kind of come alongside you on your path and, um, you know, speak into you and hold your hand. So... And the Bloom Club is something you could join at any time, right? It's not just at a specific time. Yeah, Bloom Club, that's a really good point. Bloom Club, you can join at any time. And then when you join, you actually get access to all our past classes, too. So you can always go back. Um, Yeah, and so it's not just like a, you know, the Art of Intentional Living is a five-week program where we go through it together during set dates, whereas Bloom Club, open at all times. We'd love to have you. (laughs) <laughs> well, with that, we have to work towards wrapping up. This has been so fun. And I'm not I'm just saying this, but you've seen these before. So I, you know, I don't say this. I feel so, we have so many commonalities. It's really, know. and, and, you know, the cocaine was my big, you know, my big, great love. Uh, and then my big, great hate. And uh, <laughs> exactly. so of the things we're doing are so aligned. So this has been so cool. I can't wait to meet you in person. I know. Too. We have to make that happen. I mean, I'm in Vegas. You're in Cali. We got to make this. Maybe I'll have to come over for one of your comedy shows. Oh, my God. You need to. Maybe you need to perform. Oh, oh I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> it's it would so be fun. fun. I would yeah, totally love to. We need to talk about that for sure. We do. We do. Yeah. And anybody who lives in L.A., we do these uh, every other month. I host a storytelling show called Hammered Time. And it actually we've been Facebook living it. So now more people are able to see it. But it's hilarious stories about addiction recovery and all that. But anyway, yeah, you are so funny. I've watched some of them. Oh, you <laughs> have? Yeah, well, I just love your take. And I think there was that article that came out. It was it in Forbes about you where, yes. you know, Adding that layer of humor into things has been really big in my own sobriety, too. It's like I go out and if people ask me why I don't drink or they're giving me a hard time, I kind of make fun of myself. And I feel like the humor kind of gives it a, a little bit more of a lightness. So I totally appreciate that work that you're doing there. And I think a lot of people are benefiting from it. Oh, well, I mean, right back at you. And and the thing about the humor is I'm just, I only like funny things. And so it's a completely selfish thing. But I do think, you know, my my theme is sort of like take your dark and make your light, not just the light from outside, but your light hearted self. You know, we take our, we, we take what we're dealing with very seriously, but we don't right. take ourselves too seriously. Right. Um, and so, that. yeah, so you for sure have to come into town. Oh, we're going to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and Tammy, we love Tammy. She, um, you know, she's interest. She's, it sounds like she came from your page. And so Tammy, I'm glad you're on my page. Oh my gosh. Um, you gotta go check her out. Everybody. I love Tammy. I always plug her. She's, you gotta go check her Instagram out every day. She posts stories of how she creates art in this cute little like bungalow studio she has. She's so inspiring. Like it's awesome. So I feel oh like God. there could be some synergy with you guys. Maybe there. new follow. And yeah, if you're interested in the writing program, the one thing is you ha- literally have to email me 
today because I'm doing my final calls with people. Uh, you have to apply and talk to me so we can make sure that the program is right for you. So if you are interested, you do need to email me like ASAP, Anna at AnnaDavid.com. Carly, so fun. Um, so awesome. Thanks, you guys, for watching. I will see you next Tuesday at 4 o'clock, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.